What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. What a powerful song in Christ alone. I love it. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalm chapter 148. Psalm chapter 148. It's almost the last one. Like I mentioned earlier, for the next four weeks, we're really going to be looking at a topical series called Foundations of Faith. And when we thought about how we wanted to kick this semester off, I thought of no better way than to root and ground this semester in the foundations of the gospel. So tonight, from Psalm chapter 148, we'll be reading the whole psalm we'll be looking at and asking the question, who is God? So tonight, I want you to read this psalm and hear this message with the, with the question ringing in your mind, who is God? Verse one reads, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who inspired this psalm. Thank you for giving us words to live by, revelation of you, Father. I pray that as I teach tonight, that I would teach in accordance with what I've read, that we would see you high and lifted up, that we would catch a glimpse of your glory even tonight. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. When I was 10 or 11 years old, I had a really cool friend 
And he was really good at drawing. And not only drawing, but he was actually really good at specifically drawing cartoons. And I remember being 10 or 11, he could actually watch a cartoon or or read a comic book and take out a piece of paper and just from memory draw that cartoon. And so when I was 10 or 11, that's when I learned that I did not have the gift of artistic ability. I couldn't do what he did. It was weird to me how he was so effortlessly gifted in art. It was strange to me. He would take one character and from that character he would develop a whole story. And as a 10 or 11 year old, you know, that's kind of mind blowing to you when you realize that someone can do something that you can't do. Someone's good at something and you just cannot do it. You, you, you just stand in awe of them. I can't believe that he's this good at this thing. And I, I just wonder, how is it possible? We just stand with our mouths wide open when someone does something amazing that we can't do. And if we think enough about God, I think that our mouths should be open in awe and in wonder when we think about what he's done. When we, when we think about what God has done in creating the heavens and the earth, we should really be filled with this same awe and wonder. But not only awe and wonder, I want us to see from Psalm 148 that the Bible says that we should not only be filled with awe and wonder, but we should be filled with praise and honor and glory. So as we ask this question, who is God? Tonight I want to answer it simply for you. And I want us to see that since God is the majestic creator of all, he deserves all praise, honor, and glory. Since God is the majestic creator of all, he deserves all praise, honor, and glory. And so if you didn't notice it clearly, Psalm 148 is a psalm of praise. And you can see how it's structured there into seven stanzas. The first two stanzas give us who should praise him. And then the third tells us why. So then it repeats again. In the next three stanzas, we see who should praise God. And then in the last one, again, we see why. The first two stanzas are all about the heavenly praise that God deserves. The heavenly host, the angels, stars, sun, and moon. And then we get down to verse five and we see why. Why does God deserve praise from them? It's because he created them. You see that there in verse five. But not only that he created them, what does it say? For he commanded them and they were created. Like in Genesis one, when God says, let there be light and there is light, God creates through the word of his power. God creates out of nothing. He speaks 
and it's created. And it's only God who can create this way. When, when we create, when we're creative, we rearrange the things that God has already created. But let, let's keep going here. If we keep going, we see that the second section is also about who should praise God. So if the first section is all things above the earth, the second section is all things on the earth, starting in verse 7. The land and the sea, weather and nature, animals and humans. And not just humans, but every human, every status of human, from kings to children, all should praise God. And so what's the second reason, after we get through all those stanzas, we have a, a culminating final reason that God is to be praised. And this is really in verse 13. It says, he alone is to be exalted. His majesty is above heaven and earth. So he alone. So here we get a glimpse of the set-apartness of God. That God is different than us. But to say that God is different than us, to say that he's set apart is really just another way to say that God is holy. He alone. There are certain things that only apply to God. He's not like us in that he is the creator and not the one who is created. So the first answer to who is God that we see from Psalm 148 is that he is the majestic creator of heaven and of earth. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were not created, but created the world and the heavens. Everything on the earth, below the earth, and above the earth, everything seen and unseen, God created. He is the majestic creator of all things. You know, Walt Disney is often talked about as one of the most creative humans to ever walk the earth. What started out really as just a cartoon company eventually became one of the most valuable companies in the entire world. So let me give you this stat. Disney is worth over $201 billion. Not million, but billion. Disney owns ABC, ESPN, Marvel, Star Wars, A&E, The History Channel, and Lifetime. After all these achievements and all these accolades, you might ask yourself, why, why is Disney so great? Why is Disney such a great creator? And I really think it's because one thing, he made things that we find valuable. 
Everything that Walt Disney did, he did it with excellence and his company carried that tradition. When you go to Disney World or when you watch a Disney movie, you're captivated in your imagination and you're filled with wonder. And that's because the cartoons were created to captivate your imagination and fill you with wonder. Disney World was created to captivate your imagination and fill you with wonder. This is a valuable thing and Disney was good at it, so we call him great. But if Disney is great for his achievements and and his creative genius, how much more is that true of God who created the heavens and the earth? So Disney created awesome theme parks and, and wonderful cartoons, but God created the grandeur of the sky and the heavens, the stars, the sun, and the moon. Not only that, he created the complexity of you and me. But I don't want you to get confused with that illustration because I don't think that if Walt Disney would have done what he did, we would really care about him or call him great. But what's amazing about God, and and don't miss this because you can get it confused, what's amazing about God is that he was this great before creation. And so what God does in creation is he displays his greatness for us to see. But he doesn't need his creation to be great. Our God does not just deserve acknowledgement, but he deserves glory and honor and praise forever from every creature and everything created. This is the God of the Bible. God is majestic, creator. You might be sitting in your seat thinking, wow, that was, that was really great, but what does that have to do with me, a college student, this semester, today, I'm struggling, what does that have to do with me? Well, I think that one thing that it means is that if we're created by God, Our purpose is given to us by God and and not some sort of general vague purpose that you have to go hunting for like you're you're hunting in the woods. But but really, the Bible lays out for us our purpose before God is to glorify him with our lives, with everything that we are. We are to glorify God with our lives, and that's our life's purpose. And so as created beings, if if we try to just create our own purpose, if we try to create what we think will fulfill us, listen, our life becomes hopeless and miserable when we try to rely on ourselves for our own purpose. And why does this happen? Because we were created by God. And God gives us our purpose. Another thing that it means is that our morality and our accountability also come from God. 
We, we can't create our own morality and our own accountability. We, we can't be only accountable to ourselves because we are created. We, we have a creator. And God, in his wisdom and in his mercy, created us with a conscience that bears witness to him. A, a conscience that is sensitive that when we violate it, we feel things like guilt and shame. And these things aren't always to cause us to despair, but rather they're to let us know that we were created by a moral and good God who wants us to be like him. The guilt and shame that we feel when we do something wrong is actually a good functioning part of what it means to be created in the image of God. But lastly, I want us to see also that God being a majestic creator means that everything belongs to God. Your life, your possessions, your talents, the entire world that you live in belongs to this majestic God. And so when we try to create our own purpose or get our purpose from the coolest, newest podcast that we like to listen to every day, and I love podcasts, don't get me wrong, but when we try to form our purpose around that, it truly does make us hopeless and miserable because those things cannot fill what God created our purpose to be. When we try to live like there is no law, like there is no morality, we hurt ourselves, we hurt others, we make a mess of our lives, and we end up feeling guilty and miserable because we're rebelling against the way that we were created. So when we think of this first point, God, majestic creator, I, I want you to have a, a high vision of who God is, but, but I also want you to see how it affects who you are. Because God being majestic, majestic creator means that we are created and he knows what's best for our life. But let's keep going. I want us to see that God is majestic creator and because of that, God deserves all praise, honor, and glory. God deserves all praise, honor, and glory. And we just talked about how this psalm is kind of organized we have all these things in descending order that are shown to need to praise God. The heavens, the angelic beings, the earth, things under the earth and in the sea, humans. And I think that this isn't some kind of fancy thing that you need to understand the translation of Hebrew to understand. I think that the psalmist is just saying everything needs to praise God. We see that in Psalm 150, what does it say? That refrain, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But what I think is interesting about Psalm 148 is that not everything that has breath praises the Lord, but everything should praise the Lord. Everything, period. 
But that does kind of raise the question, like, how do mountains and seas praise the Lord? That's kind of weird, right? I've never driven past any of these mountains and just heard, praise God, come out. That would be kind of spooky, right? But I think that we can kind of understand what this psalmist is saying by taking a look at Psalm 19. If you want to flip back there really quick, you can. If you don't, I'll read it for us. Just the first half of Psalm 19. And if you've ever taken a sunset picture and captioned Psalm 19 as your Instagram post, I probably don't even have to read this. <laughs> the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy." Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So what does it mean that everything in creation should praise God? We hear that poetic language, but really it points to a truth. That every single created thing by its mere existence and splendor praises God. Just like a race car that goes fast gives honor and glory to the engineers that designed its engine and its body, so does a sun that shines brightly and gives light and heat and energy to our planet gives glory to our God. Everything that has breath and even things that don't have breath must exist to God, for God, and through God. When I was about one years old, there was a rapper named Vanilla Ice who struck gold with a very popular song, Ice Ice Baby. So raise your hand if you know of Ice Ice Baby. Okay, thank, thank goodness. I was scared that maybe I was uh, maybe throwing it back a little too far. So good, we know of Ice Ice Baby. Everybody knows, now here's what's gonna be impressive. If you know the, first, the whole first verse to Ice Ice Baby, yeah, we got some, okay, stop. Okay, that's enough. So it's interesting, you know, this song, Ice Ice Baby by, by Vanilla Ice, what's interesting about it is they actually sampled an older song called Under Pressure. Now, Under Pressure was a huge hit in and of its own right. And so when they sampled this song, it's kind of interesting. They didn't give any credit or any rights or any royalties. They just kind of used it. Uh, without any permission and, and thought that they wouldn't get caught. Of course, they got sued and eventually they had to pay the money. But out of this whole crazy exchange came one of the greatest YouTube video clips uh, that 
probably ever exists in my opinion. And it's, and it's a video of Vanilla Ice trying to explain how his version of the song is different than Under Pressure. <laughs> so you probably know the familiar melody of Ice Ice Baby. It's like din 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 din. So I, Vanilla Ice is on this video and he's like, no, it's different. It's like din 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 din. And the guy's like, no, it's, it's exactly the same. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a serious topic though in the music industry, right? You can't just rip off a whole melody and then make a hit record, make millions of dollars and not expect to give credit where credit is due, especially on a super recognizable song. It, it, it's not for a good reason either. I mean, doesn't the artist deserve his credit for what he's created? Doesn't the artist deserve any money that he's owed if you use his melody to make a hit? And I think that that points to something that we can kind of see in creation with God as majestic creator. He's created it with no help. He didn't borrow a melody. He deserves the recognition, but not just recognition. As mighty, majestic creator, God deserves honor and glory and praise by every created thing. So when we come together in nights like these, and, and we sing out to this great God, we praise him with our lips, we praise who God is. Man, that's amazing and it's sweet, isn't it? But don't miss this. Humanity was also created to praise and honor and glorify God in another way. We actually see it from the other Psalms that we read, right? Because we see that we're supposed to praise God with our lips, everything that has breath, give the Lord praise. But what else? Mountains and seas and weather, nature glorifies and praises God. And see, humanity, us humans, we were created special. We were created in the image of God. So you remember when we talked about God being alone and being exalted and how he's so different from us and he's so far above us, but God actually created us to be like him in certain ways. We're, we're to be like him in our righteousness and in our character, in our creativity and in our intellectual ability, in our leadership of the world. We are to be like God. And so as humans, not only are we created to praise God with our lips when we sing out to him, but we're created to praise God with our lives. And if we're to obey this psalm, we don't just worship with our singing, but just like Romans 12 says, our Spiritual service of worship is our sacrificial life to God. That's how we worship with our lives. 
a life of renewing our minds, living as peaceful, patient, joyful, kind, compassionate people, putting away sexual impurity and immorality, slander, anger, and all evil desires. That is how Romans 12 describes a sacrificial life of worship. And so we're not only called to worship God with our lips, but we're called to live lives that honor and glorify God. In conclusion, I think that as we talk about the foundations of faith, and as we answer this question, who is God? The reason I think it's important to understand who God is, is because we can't understand anything in our life without understanding who God is. And we definitely can't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ without understanding who God is. When we see God as good and majestic creator who deserves all praise and honor and glory, that's when we begin to understand why sin is so tragic and so evil. And because this is because sin dishonors God instead of bringing him the honor that he's due. God owns all of his creation since he created it. And this is what sin says to God. I will take what I do not own and use it however I want. I will take my own life into my hands and live it however I want. Sin says that I will disobey my creator even though my disobedience will cause myself and others pain. And ultimately, sin says, I will not worship God, but I will worship me. And that's why we can't understand the gospel without understanding sin. Because if we're called to worship God with our lives, we have a problem that we can't shake. The, the problem is, is that once the reality of sin entered the world and once we live according to that flesh and we disobey and dishonor and disregard God, we, we actually deserve the punishment from God for that. When we sin against this majestic creator, we create a separation between our God and us and we deserve the right and good punishment that our guilt and our shame points us to. But God did something wonderful in the gospel, being majestic and wise and, and merciful, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
and, and Christ takes that punishment for sinners who would dishonor and disobey and even turn against in rebellion against God. Christ took that punishment for us when we lie and steal and cheat. And what does Christ do? He lived on this earth every single day to the glory of God without fail. And he gives us that life. And if we have faith in him and if we turn to him, there's no more separation. Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter four that those who worship God through him, that is through Jesus, worship God in spirit and in truth. So I want to leave you with this as we close tonight. As we think about who God is and, and as we think next week about what is man, God is the majestic creator of all. He deserves all praise, honor, and glory. But catch this, because of our sin, Christ is the only way that God can be praised and honored and given glory in our life. So would you put your faith in Christ? Turn from the disobedience as a way of life and turn to striving to be like Christ every single day. And you'll find newness of life and fullness of joy as you walk in the way God created you to walk. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for making us in your image, God. Thank you that there are so many college students here tonight who are here to worship you in spirit and in truth through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if there are those who don't know you, who are living in the rebellion of their sin, Father, that they would cast themselves to your mercy that they would learn to love and grow in the worship of your name. Father, we ask all these things in the glorious son that you sent to redeem us, Jesus Christ. We pray and ask all these things in his name, amen.